Winnaker Weekly is a three-episode-in anime discussion podcast where two brothers discuss a show of their choice. The show can be anything from a current season flop to a decades-old classic. What are they going to talk about next? Who knows? They sure don't. Andrew, I'm Lee, and this is Whitaker Weekly. Let's get right into it. All right, uh, so a couple of bits of news. Uh, just yesterday, slime reincarnation, or like that time I got reincarnated as a slime, uh, it has been renewed for season two, Fantastic. which I'm very excited about, especially after that little bit. Uh, it's the last couple of episodes they've been leaving it, uh, but that's another. That's more for another story kind of endings, right. like where he recreates the golem. And it's uh -huh. like, and I summoned a demon, and that became quite a thing. But that's another story. And then it, like, it cuts to something else. Mm -hmm. And then we've got this flashback with Shizu-san uh -huh. uh, and uh, this demon that she's fighting. But it turns out she's not fighting this demon. She's fighting other demons. Yes. And this demon comes in and slaughters everyone but yeah. her. And the reason he slaughters everyone but her is because... I don't want to spoil anything, but, you know, he... He, he's found a reason to admire her. He's found a very good reason to admire her. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so get caught up on Slime if you haven't. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And we're looking forward to season two. Um, We've got one more now, episode of season something you, one. Something you mentioned is that actually, if anybody's ever read the um, the never-ending story novel, is it the novel that uh -huh. uh, is based on, every chapter ends with, but that's another story for another time. Mm -hmm. That's how every chapter ends. And so seeing that Rude. happen in Slime, mm -hmm. yeah. But that, that, that's kind of the point, is mm -hmm. that stories never end. Yeah. Was was the whole point mm -hmm. of the novel. There's a bit of news that I forgot to go ahead and cover. I'll go ahead and put it in. Uh, I, can, I can go ahead and update the doc after we, we're done recording. Right. But the Behemoth, the same guys, I don't know if you've ever played any of their games, but they make hand-animated games. They made... Um, they made... Um, shoot, I'm forgetting the name, but it's a very, very difficult... Alien Hominid. They made Alien Hominid for the PS2. Okay. It's a very difficult side-scroller uh -huh. uh, where you're an alien and you're fighting um, you're fighting Area 51 agents trying to get your freedom. Um, and they also made Castle Crashers, okay. which is a side-scroller beat-em-up. Mm -hmm. uh, and they made a couple other games as well. They just announced today that they are... It's their 10th anniversary, and kind of to help celebrate that, they are re-releasing... Uh, Castle Crashers for the Switch, the PS4, and I think the Xbox One. Uh -huh. uh, it's Castle Crashers, Ca Castle Crashers Remastered. Okay. It's a very fun game. Um, I've already purchased it twice. I got it for the 360 back when I had one, but then I sold my 360. I ended up rebuying it for the PS4 or the PS3. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to buy it again, but it's good that it's available for people who haven't played it yet because it's a great game. Okay, then. And this, then they've also announced that they're working on their fifth game, whatever their fifth game is going to be. All so. Right. And then okay, so some a while back, I actually uh -huh. been to GDC, and so it's kind of fun seeing when they've popped up in the news again. I always wanted to go back, but you've got another news article that is straight from an announcement at GDC. This a year. very long announcement at GDC, um, uh, Game Developers Conference. Yes. For those of you who don't know what GDC is, Google is getting into the gaming business. They are launching a, they're launching um, Google. Stadia. It is okay. a console. It is a gaming system without a console. Okay. They are using the Google Cloud and the Google Network to power their games. You will be able to use 
your tablet, your computer, your TV, if you've got the proper uh, Chromecast, uh -huh. uh, or um, your phone, to play the exact same game. Last, you can stop playing on your phone. When, like, you can play on your phone on your commute home, and then as soon as you get home, you can swap to your Chromecast and keep playing where you left off. In October oh, wow. of last year, they tested this by running Assassin's Creed Odyssey, the newest game in the Assassin's Creed series, streaming it through Chrome and letting people play it. Oh, wow. At 1080p, 60 frames per second. And the test went extremely well. They're saying when they launch, they're planning on being able to play up to 4K resolution, 60 frames per second, um, with uh, surround sound audio. Oh, they wow. didn't say any. They didn't say any costs. Um, they said that it's uh, that they have a. You can use any controller that plugs into your computer, which I think is kind of interesting, considering they also just announced that the Switch Joy Cons, mm -hmm. you can now pair them with Google Chrome, or you can in the near future. Oh, wow! You can use them on Google Chrome. I, um, I I have okay. So I've done game development, and I've done game development with Unity, mm -hmm. and I have connected a PlayStation controller via USB port to a PC mm -hmm. and developed using um, button mapping to that. So, you know, I suppose any mm -hmm. game controller that uses USB charging can be Any mapped. controller that you can plug into your computer, you can go ahead and play. But they also have their own custom one. Mm -hmm. uh, this controller is designed to be able to connect automatically to YouTube, mm -hmm. where you press a button and it starts streaming YouTube automatically for you. Okay. Um, there's also the Google Assistant button, where you press a button and you talk to Google to get... Like, they, one of the clips they showed was you press the Assistant... Let's say, let's say you're playing the latest Tomb Raider, and they show the latest Tomb Raider game being played, mm -hmm. but you're stuck on this puzzle. Usually what players would have to do, they'd pull up their phone, they'd look up a video, and they'd go ahead and scroll through that video until they get to the part where they want to get help from. Hey, Google... How do I solve this puzzle? And Google pulls up a YouTube video and shows you exactly where you are in the game and shows you in this video what you need to do to solve the puzzle. <laughs> and then it lets you go back to the game immediately. Nice. Did my phone just talk to me? Well, oh, you did. It's because I did say, hey, Google. You did. You did. And I, I was did. just picturing, you know. So I had a similar problem, actually. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, just remembering, you know, mm -hmm. some some mean podcasts out there will shout a uh, a keyword for like hey like Siri or Google or Alexa or something like that, mm -hmm. and try to get people to, and try to have things happen to their devices. Mm -hmm. um, something that was happening to me is I was listening to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as narrated by Stephen Fry, which is another delight. And, anyway, it, uh -huh. and it turns out that um, the Amazon Echo, yeah, one of the settings you you can have it say Alexa, you can have it say Echo, you can have it say Amazon, and a recent addition some years ago was, was computer. So you you could live mm -hmm. life like it's Star Trek, and so you could say computer, do this, mm -hmm. play this, or do that, and. I was listening to the chapter on deep thought. Where he's always talking about computers. Where he's talking about, like, are you not the greatest computer? <laughs> and, and so they're comparing computers to deep thought and wondering what, like, we, we built you to be the greatest. I, I... And then he's just very mess messianically talking about the computer he will design and mm -hmm, they will build mm -hmm. for him. But uh, throughout that chapter, every time that Stephen Fry uttered the word computer, my, as I'm listening to it through my... Uh, <laughs> through my uh, Amazon Echo Dot, 
The Echo stopped and waited to hear what the future the other instructions were Jeez. before playing again. Jeez. It couldn't tell when it was itself playing. It. Yeah, that's sad. That's kind of sad. Um, but anyways, uh, one more bit of news. Um, because this is ground... This is, like, built together with the YouTube platform. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that you can do is if you have the strata and the person who's streaming has the strata, if they're playing a multiplayer game and they've set their options to allow it, you can join them in their game oh nice and play multiplayer with them or against them depending on what game they're you're playing they're playing so that could be fun yeah it could be at the same time i'm more of a single player kind of guy so i don't really see myself wanting to play multiplayer with too many people right but anyway anyway um it's kind of exciting Absolutely. Um, seeing what Google Google's ideas for gaming. And they actually also announced, like, Phil Spencer, someone who used to be pretty high up on... I think it was Xbox. I could be wrong. I'll have to double check. Uh-huh. He's the head of Google... He's the head of Google Strata. And he also announced that today they have officially formed their... Google has officially formed their own gaming studio. Mm-hmm. I think it's, like, Gaming with Strata or something like that. And Jade Raymond, the girl who headed up Assassin's Creed 1 and 2 for Ubisoft... And I shouldn't say girl, woman. She's like, yeah, she's a full-grown woman. Anyway. Um, <laughs> the, la- the lady. The lady. Um, and she, uh, and she's now the head of that studio. Oh, good for her. So she was also heading up a studio for EA. Um, but EA being EA canceled all the games that studio was making and she just kind of walked away. So. I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. EA is the place where game companies go to die. Yep. Just ask uh, Richard Garriott. Oh, it's not just Richard Garriott. There's a lot of places, companies that have died under EA because oh, yeah. they haven't been able to live up to EA's unreasonable demands. Uh, what was, oh, that or, was and that? their unreasonable demands caused them to create shortcuts and upset the fan base that had helped build that studio in the first place. Right. Um, yeah, now what was it? There was uh, We showed you a picture that... Uh, um, a, a, a meme passed through my Facebook feed featuring the character design of uh, Handsome Jack happening to match really closely to a CEO mm-hmm. of EA. Mm-hmm. Of EA's CEO. Yeah. The, 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 like Andrew something or other with... Uh, yeah, he looks a lot like Handsome Jack. Also... To, to the point where it can't be a coincidence. Also, Mirror's Edge 2... The villain Mirror's Edge 2, which was produced by Dice, which was made by Dice, if I recall correctly, a company owned by EA, the villain in that also straight up looks like the same guy. Okay? In fact, some uh-huh. a lot he of looks gr- like a super villain. A lot of great games seem to adopt EA as the villain of their games. Mm-hmm. Including uh, one that w- that uh, was in the recommendation of the week, either last week or the week before. Ultima. The mm-hmm. Ultima series. And, I mean, Ultima 7... Um. Uh, they the, the the rhetoric that the guardian utters and some of your quest actually involves defeating the EA logo. Because mm-hmm. at the time the EA logo was a square, a circle, and a triangle over the words Electronic Arts, mm-hmm. and the uh, the villain had created a um, cube sphere. And tetrahedron generators that were destroying the world in certain ways, and you mm-hmm. had to go in and one was causing them. earthquakes, one was messing with mana, and one was messing with the moon gates, if yep. I recall correctly. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I've been replaying that game, but I also got distracted by Skyrim because I've been modding the crap out of Skyrim and just having a lot of fun with it on my <laughs> new laptop. Um, I just downloaded a mod called The High King of Skyrim, where uh -huh. if when you complete it, you are now the High King of Skyrim, uh -huh. and you have complete control over everybody. You can you can make some you can force somebody to join the army for you. You can force somebody to be thrown in prison. You can have them executed. Uh -huh. um, it's just a fun mod to play around with. Um, okay. Anyway, let's get on to the main. <laughs> thrust of yep. our uh podcast let's get on with it uh it's three episodes in it was my pick this week it is and i picked space battleship tiramisu and for some reason i have the luck of picking shows that have very short episodes yeah we we really ought to be a little more selective before we just pick an episode pick a show to go yeah whatever but anyway okay. uh space battleship tiramisu the episodes are about seven minutes long uh, they're super short. The Earth Union is locked in a massive galactic war. Aboard the space battleship Tiramisu, ace pilot Subaru Ichinose carries the fate of humanity on his shoulders. Life for Subaru is tough, but nothing relieves tension quite like launching an all-out food-based assault on his own face. Snug as a bug in a rug, Subaru soothingly unwinds in his personal mecha, Durandal F, as bliss overtakes him. Oh, okay, it's not so, so much food, it's that... His cockpit is his sanctuary, we should probably it say. Is. Uh, it's he, he, it's like his... One of the first... Ep I, okay, mm -hmm. so here's the difference between whether you watch this show on Verve or on Crunchyroll. Mm -hmm. Crunchyroll will apparently send you right into episode one, but Verve's episode selection starts with three specialty episodes that aren't listed in the standard run-through that are bonus material. And mm -hmm. I didn't know this. I just jumped in right into the first one on Verve. You jumped in the first one on Crunchyroll. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up watching three more episodes than you that had different content. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to have to rely on you to get us through these. And I will mm -hmm. kind of elaborate on things that happen to be in these special episodes. Because the content of these episodes are actually um, additional side story <laughs> material. Mm -hmm. The things that happen from other people's point of view during episodes. Like, mm -hmm. the, the first episode is from the point of view of a character um, that interacts with uh, the main character, Subaru, Subaru mm -hmm. throughout episodes one and two. Mm -hmm. Or um, two and three. One yeah. Two. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get started. So, um, the episode starts off, there are enemies approaching, but he has about 120 seconds before his mech launches. And he says uh -huh. to himself, all right. That gives me just enough time to eat one. And he goes down. <laughs> and like before then, we don't see really see anything. Um, but he, he, he has a... He's in his cockpit. Modern he's a, bento box in he, a super... He, yeah, he a modern has, supermarket bento box in a super sci-fi... Um, it's, uh, it's not quite a bento. A bento is, is multiple courses. Um, this is just something that you would buy. Like... Uh, it, yeah, it's a supermarket. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's or a convenience store. Like it's it's a deep fried skewers is what he has. He's yeah. got like deep fried pork skewers. Is what pork, yeah, uh, tonkatsu skewers is what he has. So so it's basically uh, the Japanese equivalent of a corn dog. Yeah, um, but a lot tastier than a corn dog. But anyways, he so and he like he's got this super advanced mech. Um, it's obviously set in space. And then he's like, I'm going to have one. And he goes down and he ha there is a plastic package with three pieces. And it's a see-through plastic container uh -huh. uh, with three pieces of tonkatsu skewers um, over lettuce. Yeah, held together shredded by cabbage, yes. shredded cabbage held together with a rubber band. Yeah. And he takes off the rubber band and he grabs one. And I'm just like, 
Okay, so that already sets the precedent for the show <laughs> that this is just going to be ridiculous because why are we seeing a modern day, as in our modern day level of convenience store yeah. thing for this tonkatsu when the rest of it is so super sci-fi? Yep. And we see why later on. But um, but anyway, he uh, he then is about to eat it and he's like, wait, no, I almost forgot. I need the sauce. And he pulls out this container and he's bringing the two together very, very now, slowly. Now, now this, the, he, he actually references a scene that happens in one of the preview episodes before is that he was in a cafeteria scene eating one of those and he, he dipped and enjoyed it. And he was about to double dip when yeah. the co-pilot grabs his arms and says, there is no double dipping. Yeah, well, I think, I don't know, it's not the co-pilot, it's it's the other pilot, whatever well, his name is. A, another pilot. Vulgar. I think it was Vulgar. It wasn't Vulgar, it was, um, because Vulgar is the blonde who's, um, uh-huh. a little bit All Might-ish in terms he's of be- his... He's beefy. He's yeah. beefy, blonde, mm-hmm. and robust. Uh-huh. But the person who stopped him is wiry, gray, and, um, kind of vile looking. And so I don't. I haven't seen much of him. Yeah, he's not in episodes one through it, six. No, but no, you're, no, that's right. He does. He does say to himself, and in here, I can go ahead and double dip as much as I want. No one can stop me because I'm in my own personal sanctuary, my cockpit. And so he has a modern day water bottle with a little bit of soy sauce that's floating around mm-hmm. in the dead center of it, and he opens mm-hmm. it up and tries to dip I, into the water I'm bottle. Pretty sure it's tonkatsu sauce. But anyways, yeah. It, it, it's a brown it's sauce. It's a brown sauce. For dipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you need to try tonkatsu sauce sometimes. It's it's kind of a sweet, tangy barbecue sauce. It's nice. You I can like take it. me someplace that has it. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> he, uh, so they, so he dips it in. However, the, uh, there's a, a scale difference between the circumference of his deep fried pork ring and the hole that's the opening of the water bottle. If he was, if he was anywhere near as smart as they're trying to make him out to be, he would have just taken the sauce and squeezed it out a little bit on top of it. Yes. But he puts the skewer into the bottle, and then all of the all of the fried bread, the the, the crust of the cut of the yeah. tonkatsu, okay, flies off and goes everywhere. Now, when we were kids, um. Our parents would have a recipe for uh, baked breaded chicken that usually used something like cornflakes or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, it, so it had a texture to it. That's kind of what this is. Like when I described a corn dog, a corn dog is generally smooth and just breaded around it. But this one has got flake and yeah, yeah, it's tonkatsu. Ha- tonkatsu. So and so this, it's just crunching as mm-hmm. he's as he's yeah. trying to dip it they, in here. Uh... And sudden, and he's in a zero G cockpit, and so there are now crumbs floating mm-hmm. everywhere in this cockpit, mm-hmm. and he's suddenly realizing the dilemma he's created for himself while the countdown for launch is continuing, mm-hmm. and he makes things worse by knocking over the other. The contain like by knocking over the container with the other two, and now there's lettuce or shredded cabbage everywhere as well. And it's just floating mm-hmm. all over the cockpit, mm-hmm. and now he has to battle in mm-hmm. this situation. See, um, so in it, the the way you make tonkatsus, you take the the pork, uh-huh. you put it in, you dip it, you you put it in flour, you then put it over egg, and then you dip it in uh, breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs. So it's fried breadcrumbs on top of it. Yeah. Is what it is. Um, but anyway, which is why it gets everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
in the cockpit. Um, and he, uh... It is literally the least... It, it has got to be one of the least sanitary things you could possibly eat mm-hmm. in a in what's supposed to be a sterile environment. Uh, it's supposed to be a sterile environment, and like, just think about all that food that could get into the electronics and just screw things up so badly. It reminds me of that scene in uh, Like a Surgeon, where uh, Weird Al is performing surgery and then leans over with a really drippy sandwich. And it just goes into the, it's, yeah. It's like coleslaw or something Some, is oh. dripping out of the sandwich. You're like, mm. this isn't supposed to happen. Nope. Th- th- this is a clean room. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the cockpit's supposed to be a clean room as well. Yes. But it's now just got his food, his mess everywhere. And then they launch and he's like, no. I haven't even had a bite yet. It's n- and it's not, and it's got this great shot of him being thrust back against the chair, trying to eat something. And he's like, no. but uh he's not worried about the massive mess in his cockpit and just how it's going to screw up all of his electronics he's worried that he hasn't had a chance to take a single bite of his tonkatsu and that my friends that is that is the tone of the the entire show of this show it is it is it is it's continuous every Mm -hmm. every episode has some Mm -hmm. something way out of expectations in this regard mm-hmm. um okay so i don't think we're gonna cover episode to episode but there's a, there's a lot of little things that happen throughout yeah so um we'll just be talking about the stuff that we really really liked and okay. this this show not only is it silly but it's very very much a spoof of mecha anime it is especially the over dramatic mecha anime which is just kind of you know what mecha anime is yeah it is um or like very melodramatic i want to say mm-hmm. Um, and this show just rips on that so well. Like even even the enemy mech suits are very very obviously inspired by the enemy mechs in the Gundam series. It's true. So it's true. But it's it's kind of embarrassing just how little attention he puts into the actual combat of things. There just happens to be action sequences where he's obviously really, really good at what he does to the point where he's not paying mm-hmm. close enough attention oh, yeah. to what he's doing at all. Yeah, like there's the scene where he, I'm trying to remember what he was distracted by, but remember he was testing out the sniper rifle? Okay, so, this, okay, so he's been given a plasma sniper rifle, mm-hmm. and the problem is the... For whatever reason, he had to leave his mech in the hands of the motherly uh, mechanic. That's right. And she uh-huh. redecorated, putting good luck charms and focusing. And there, there, there was a there there was a uh, a little Buddha cat or whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm. A, a, a good, good luck, luck cat. A good luck mm-hmm. cat. And there was a. Um, a charm with a bell hanging from the mm-hmm. ceiling and there was flowered arrangements and flowery kimono mm-hmm. things going on all over the place. Yeah. And he, and the property of, of his Subaru name is and, now written on his helmet, on his which helmet. is a running gag for the rest of the series. Like from then on, you see his name written on his helmet. Yes. So, <laughs> and it's just, and he's so upset that his, that, okay. I don't know if this, I, I, this is not, again my problem is that I watched the three preview episodes leading up to this, uh-huh. and one of the and I can't tell you whether this scene was in the first six episodes or in one of the three preview episodes. But he describes being in the cockpit like being in his mother's womb, like it was a that very is not in the first. Episode but, but, so but he talks close, about yeah. how comfortable mm-hmm. and how secluded and in private he it is in this cockpit, and it kind of carries on in the show. 
that like this this tone that when he's in his cockpit he feels the safest because it's the one place mm-hmm. he can be alone in a place where he has no privacy mm-hmm. during bathing, no privacy during eating. The, sometimes he has privacy because um, in his sleeping court arrangements because every once in a while he gets thrown into solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while it happens on an episodic basis. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes twice in an episode. Sometimes he's done it to himself. <laughs> like in one episode, they come and grab him because he's just pouting in solitary confinement. <laughs> he has put himself in there. <laughs> but anyways, he... But, but he, his problem is that he he needs... He's 19 years old. And, and you know... Um, the, the guy who we talked about earlier, Vulgar... Keeps uh, calls him honor roll. Honor roll because he's their ace pilot and he was very very good at studying in school and things like that. But he's mm-hmm. nineteen years old in a combat situation with all of these thirty year olds with worldly experience, mm-hmm. and he's a nineteen year old virgin with mm-hmm. with no experience and no. And he doesn't want skill. Any, no no no. He no wants tact, nothing no to skill. do with these people. He hates no. it. But anyways, so he can't focus no, and he, he can't, can't aim this. Ex- and, and so he, he he's frustrated and he hates just what this person uh-huh. did to his well, cockpit. It's his place. R- and she's r- real fast. We should explain that he's supposed to be the opening attack of a surprise attack on this enemy base. He's supposed to open fire, hit this, d- destroy their tower, and then this second unit is going to come in and attack the base. And he's so unfocused mm-hmm. that he fires a massive blast that has got to be 10 stories huge. 10 stories tall in in diameter as it goes this blast and it just barely misses the topmost antenna yeah. of this it looks like it's going straight forward and then it cuts camera angles and it goes above it and then the camera does this kind of cut zoom cut zoom cut zoom into it and it's like it is like one An inch. inch or something above the top of the tower is how close he was to he hitting He did that. zero damage. He missed completely. Completely missed. But just barely. <laughs> just barely. But, and so and the they have then to attacks do a... him and he runs away. Yeah, they, before they even get a chance to retaliate, he has to run away immediately because it was a one shot. Yeah, it's like one shot. one shot to do this and he blew it. So... <laughs> But uh, in episode one, he showers and then he gets out of the shower because they're being attacked and he throws his clothes on. Uh-huh. And while he's in... The uh, co- I think this was episode... Uh, I want to say this was episode two. This may have been episode two. Uh, I don't the, the, this episode, uh-huh. it was called The Naked Dance in the title. And I was a little bit concerned playing this uh, while okay, my kids okay, may have been okay. walking around. Okay. So I think it's episode two. But yes, he, he get, he, he's, a, he's harassed in the shower mm-hmm. and throws on his shirt, mm-hmm. which you notice, if you're paying close enough attention, he puts it on inside out, backwards. You can see the tag on his mm-hmm. chest, and it reads in English, Playboy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, he puts this shirt on, and then he's out in combat, and like he's like, what's going on? This... There's, there's something wrong with my sanctuary. I, I, I can't breathe very well. What, what, what's happening? What's happening? And then... The, and so he calls tech, he, he calls call, his support, um, the, the, the operator that he's mm-hmm. uh, been assigned to. His name's Cody. Um, now, this scene plays out in one of the preview episodes from Cody's point of view. Is that he's being told... He says, please help. I'm running out of oxygen. There's something wrong with my mech. Yeah. And, and Cody's just like, well, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong. I still, your oxygen is at 80%. And now if you just watch that episode by itself, it's one thing. And it's, it's accurate. So Cody, Cody is accurately saying, no, you still have 80% of your oxygen left. 
what actually happens from Cody's <laughs> point of view is he's busy playing a video game and he has 80% of a shield or something left. And so mm-hmm. he's not paying full attention to what's going he's on. Not paying full attention he's to like, no, you've got about 80% left. You should be fine. Uh-huh. Don't worry about it. And then, and then he realizes that he's talking to somebody that he was supposed to be helping and they hung up on him or they got cut off. And so he he's like, oh, wait, what did I do? No, wait. He ex- His error is actually at 80%. I told him the truth. We're good. <laughs> but he was panicking. Did I do the right thing? And he, he pulls out, and apparently he's working for another agent who sent him a spiral notebook of notes of things to do to help blend in. Oh, gosh. And it's, it's delightful. And mm-hmm. you, you, I, I should have you watch these. They're pretty cool, too. I'll watch um, them when I get the chance, but probably not tonight. And then he, so he goes in and goes, goes if a, if a pilot is panicking, the best thing you can do to calm them down is to tell them everything is okay. They need to hear that from per, a person who supposedly knows. Who supposedly knows. I don't know if supposedly was the word that they used, <laughs> but, it, but it, it's like, oh, I did that too. Okay. Everything's all right. All right. Everything's all right. So, so he, he has no idea if, if he screwed up and is going to end up getting him killed. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, he, um, so uh, in that same episode, like he finally realizes that his shirt is backwards. And so uh, he tries taking this, like he's like, uh, he tries taking his shirt completely off uh, while in combat. He decides that he, he's engaging in mech to mech sword fighting uh-huh. and figures out, okay, I'm going to do this move and then slip my left arm through. I'm going to do this move and slip my right arm through. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's worn a t-shirt ever can figure out, you know, you you can put your arms back in. But he took, put his t-shirt on not only backwards, but inside out. And so he decides he also needs to take it off completely and turn it back right side up. Without... Without taking his helmet off. Exactly. And so now... Which we've seen he can survive without his helmet inside of this cockpit pretty easily. But he's just too wrapped up in combat to take the helmet off. And now the shirt is wrapped around <clears throat> his helmet. He can't get it off, he can't get it down, mm-hmm. and he's fighting blind. Like, ah. Still fighting really well, but he's fighting blind. And then he eventually just rips his shirt off uh, and finishes combat. And then the episode and then ends the, with the, him well, the, narr- the, the narrator then goes, and at that moment, something inside Subaru snapped. And so he proceeds to take off the rest of his clothes. And, then and just starts fight. screaming, then, die, 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 die. And then die. eliminates... 30 bad guys in a row, just boom, boom, uh-huh. boom, 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 in a, in a very Gundam style. Mm-hmm. Bad guys take one hit and explode kind of way. He's saying Ochiru, which is like fall, so he's telling him to fall, but it's the same. Oh. It's like die, 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 die. And so he uh, he's killing them all, and then at the end of that episode, yeah. Uh, he, he, starts, he then puts his clothes back on. Except for his torn up t-shirt, which he leaves in space. He leaves one of his favorite t-shirts in space, according it, to their narrative. Yeah, the, the, every episode ends with, you know, the month, the day, the month, and the year of whatever future date this was. Mm-hmm. And then a major event that has allegedly happened that day. But oftentimes, it's, it's just so ridiculous. Like, on this all, day, on this he day. left one of his favorite shirts in space. Yeah. Yeah. Of, of all the things that happened that day, they uh-huh. didn't. They don't mark the 30 enemies he defeated. They don't mm-hmm. mark his success in battle. They mark that he left, that he jettisoned his shirt. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. His torn up shirt. Well, and the, the comedy in this show works so well for me because they take themselves so seriously. Mm-hmm. It's such a silly thing for them to be doing, for them to be talking about, but every single voice actor takes it completely seriously as if they were in a regular mecha anime. Yeah. 
um, to me, that's reminiscent of Monty Python, of, of the Marx Brothers. Oh, yeah. The, where they're uh, saying... The absurdist. Yeah. It's, absurdism. It's absurdism. Where they... T- well, actually, if you think... Like, there are six... Well, we this is for another time, but there are six major thoughts of why comedy is funny. Uh-huh. If you wanted to, you could dissect Monty Python and make arguments towards all six. Yes. But anyway. Yes, um, Monty Python delved into d- many different realms of comedy, yes. but absurdism was mm-hmm. absolutely a running theme and throughout. And did you know that they were completely memorized? They were not actors. They refused to improv. Everything they said was written down, yeah. except for one or two things here and there. I, I understand uh-huh. that uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, actually, from the first draft, they kept mm-hmm. 10% of the first draft of what was actually filmed. Um, they also, uh, well, like, you know, the, um, the cheese skit where it comes I, in. I absolutely believe that John Cleese abs- knows John every Cleese kind of those memorized kinds. every single one of those cheeses. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't improv. He memorized it word for word. Anyway, let's get back to our show. And that's just it, is that mm-hmm. it, they, they do, they do touring. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Michael Palin and John Cleese actually tour that skit and the parrot skit. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think they've toured in a while, but yeah. They, they used to tour it, and then it got to the point where, you know, they don't even have to... They, the they, audience they, 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 they did better than they did. They, they let the audience do it sometimes, and then improv with them. Uh-huh. And just, the, the only improving he really did during those uh, tours was just the places he'd whack the bird. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, we, uh, so let's get back to our show. So... This show then introduces its only its one female or second female character. We've uh-huh. got the we've got the motherly mechanic, and now we've got um, the walking pair of breasts. Uh, I can't like the purple haired girl, Leroy or something, whatever that. Like, yeah. They introduce her, and she comes in in a very girly mech, um, and uh, everybody's distracted by her because she's got an open shirt. Mm-hmm. And just like a bra, like a sports bra. Yeah, a sports uh, bra, mini skirt. Sports bra, mini skirt, long pink hair. Um, and she, uh, like they, they lovingly drew, uh, her curves. Yes. Um, anyway, um, but that's kind of the joke because in this episode, nobody can take their eyes off of her chest to where like he said, uh, like she introduces herself to Subaru Mm -hmm. and Subaru, uh, is like, Oh, Hey, it's a woman. And, uh, she, she starts saying something about how she came in on this ship and oh, did you not hear from my fa- hear from my father? And she but she says Chichi, which is a very informal way of saying father. Well, Chichi is also the way that a child refers to his mother's breasts, which is why he misinterprets it the way that he does. <laughs> oh, Japan. Yep, but this show, this show, I don't think they're trying like. It's a joke. It's it a is. massive joke. They're it making is. fun of things like that because, um, like, they don't even show her face sometimes when she's talking because when he's talking to her, he's looking at her chest and that's all that you see as well. Okay. Yeah. And they are making fun of that fact. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like something you'd see in, um, in one of the naked gun movies so or something if, like that. 
Oh, I'm just remembering a naked guy. It could guy very, was... very easily be sexist, but that's the entire point of the joke. Oh, it's yeah. making fun of stupid things like that. I think. Well, I think it was uh-huh. a naked gun where they did a slow pan up a woman's leg, and it's it's like the very sexy leg and a knee, and then more leg, and then another knee. Yeah, for some I'm reason. pretty sure that's that's not that's not the naked gun or airplane. I can't remember which one that did that. <laughs> oh, those movies. Anyway, um, anyway, she then like she they talked to the captain. And the captain's like, don't call me father, call me captain. And it turns out she's the captain's daughter. Of course. Um, and the captain got this super long wizard level beard. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, in that in this episode, our main character Subaru is now suddenly in her mech instead of his. Yeah. They've swapped. For whatever um, reason. And her mech is a uh, suggestively modeled one. Yep, it's it's suggestively modeled. It's got it's very very womanly, and uh, inside of it, it's all pink with frills and stuffed animals hanging from the ceilings. And so he's deeply uncomfortable in mm-hmm. this cockpit. Can't stand it until he realize until finally he can't take it anymore, and he takes off his helmet, and he's able to smell her shampoo, which he smelled earlier in this episode as well. Uh-huh. And then he suddenly realizes that wait a minute, I'm in a girl's room. He does something. He does something really, really he, weird. He, he turns he, around and he hugs the chair and starts smelling it to get more of her scent. Uh-huh. Um, but what does he do that causes the mech to grab itself in the chest? He says, I'm going to feel some boobs. <laughs> and so he goes, he takes, because he's crazy, uh-huh. and now he thinks he's in this girl's room, he thinks he's finally got his chance to feel some breasts. And so he takes the mech's hands and has the mech's hands go towards its own boobs, which it has because it's which designed like a woman. Which are apparently well, rocket launchers he, of some well, kind. He, we, we, don't, we don't know what they are just yet, but he's going for them. And the girl, uh, she's like, no, wait, Subaru, don't do that. Don't, no, what are you doing, Subaru? Stop. And then Subaru grabs them and there's this massive explosion. And she's just like, those were missiles, which is another... Another just ridiculous um, cliche that if a mech has breasts, they are missiles. It's true. It's true. And it blows them up. And Subaru only made it out out of there with only minor burns. And somehow Subaru only made it out there with minor burns. And this is one we find in the next episode because there are two little bit episodes Uh, in each uh, each episode. Yeah, you got three minutes of a bit episode (laughs) in a seven minute episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, with like 30 seconds for the opening and 30 seconds for the closing. If that. Um, but he uh, he's now in solitary confinement and they come and they get him because he's in solitary confinement. This is when he's put himself in solitary confinement. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, they uh, they come get him and they tell him how his new mech is here. And he's like, wait, they made it. He's like, yeah, it's a brand new mech just for you type thing. Huh. And uh, he's super excited about it. And they made a new uh, drawn doll or whatever it's called. Uh, and he's gets super excited about it. And just as he's about to, well, as he's going down the hallway about it, the mechanic's like, here, it's the, take the manual. Uh, you only an idiot would go flying off without the manual. Only an idiot would go flying off without reading the manual first. And he goes in and he gets into the ship and the ship, just as the ship's about to launch, he realizes that he was given volume two of the manual. He doesn't have volume it's, one. And the cockpit he's in is so advanced that he's never seen a, a configuration like this before. And volume two starts off expecting you to have already mastered volume one. Mm-hmm. And there's no, it is not helpful at all. 
And he goes out and he like he's just like pushing random buttons and nothing's happening because he's just been launched into space. Until and he, he lo- finally hits a button, transforms into a jet, and then starts flying towards an asteroid. Yeah. Hits another button and his screen display stops being helpful and starts being stock market on one side and a race and and a, a, a marathon mm. running um, race. Yeah, yeah some foot, foot some race of some kind. Yeah, some um, track and track and field meet or something yes. like that. that and he's just watching. The, and and it takes up his whole screen, and now he can't see the asteroid he's coming straight for. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "Huh, you set off the double screen." Yeah. <laughs> well, and then he hears the it. voice, and Volger says, "I bet you turned on the double screen, didn't you?" This I did the same thing my first time in the in this cockpit, and then it goes, and the girl pops in, and she says, "Oh, you need to hold down the flashing button for three seconds. That will turn the dual screens off." <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, wait, what? And then they blow up the asteroids and stuff. And then he finds himself completely surrounded by the exact same model of mech. Everybody has it. It's not just for him. And, and so, so he gets depressed and refuses to leave his mech. He curls up in the fetal position in his mech, which causes his mech to curl up in the fetal position. Just knees to chest, arms mm-hmm. around the knees. Um, and he's he's super depressed because everybody he's no longer special. He doesn't have his special cockpit anymore. He has the same cockpit as everybody else. And that's mm-hmm. what's depressing him. Yeah. Everybody has the same cockpit instead of like instead of having his own special cockpit. <sighs> okay, so in one of the preview episodes that I saw, um, both the situation where his t-shirt was uh on wrong mm-hmm. and the situation where he's in a cockpit with all of the uh, mm-hmm. the accoutrement that distracts him mm-hmm. both of those scenes were shown from the point of view of cody that's awesome i'll i'll have to see if i can watch those at some point they okay. might be on country roll somewhere but they're not in the same order as they are in vrv and yeah. i'll say i kind of prefer that because you were telling me about some stuff and that just kind of spoils some of the surprises i'd rather mm-hmm. watch that stuff afterward right but anyway uh just so i can go ahead and see that and just see kind of the humor from the other point of view or what they could do is they could air one episode back to back but then that would still kind of give things away too too quickly but so the next episode i want to say is the convenience is is the supply ship Uh i don't know if it's the next episode but it's the next bit that i remember it's the supply the supply ship we'll talk about that one and he's super excited because in this world his only comfort is his cockpit that and the supply ship when it gets here, and he jumps out of his cockpit, still in his pajamas, with his helmet on. Yeah. And he goes to the supply ship, and the supply ship is what? It's a convenience store. It's a space-bound convenience store. With, he goes with, in with, and it's with, the, with the mini cup of Hagen Dazs. Is the is the noise that it makes when those doors open and somebody walks by. Um, but he walks in and he just or take gets all this food. He's like, oh, new flavor of Hagen Dazs. And he just grabbed, and he leaves with like 10 bags worth of stuff. Yep. And uh, as he's eating an ice cream cone, uh, walking down the hallway, Volger shows up and says, Hey, aren't you going a little bit crazy? We're about to go out and have another fight or whatever they call it in this show. Yeah, uh, a skirmish or something. It's not a skirmish. Yeah. It's uh, It begins with an S though, but I'll yeah. just say fight. We're about to have another battle. Um, and uh, But you have, but a... Uh, uh, you you know you shouldn't have cold food and drinks uh, before you go out. And he's like, what am I, a child? I, can, I have self-control. You don't have to worry about me. 
And then it's like a f- cut, cut to middle of the fight. Why is he fighting so well, erratically? And then like it's you see the mech from the outside. He was surrounded by enemies and he was fighting bravely and he's got his sword out and he's just swinging wildly and missing every single enemy. And it cuts inside the cockpit and he's got his one arm in the mech's uh, sword weapon uh, controller and he is desperately trying to hold in. <laughs> the other arm is helping. Is doing a a, a Tom Hanks. Trying to hold, trying to keep himself from peeing himself. Trying to keep himself from peeing himself. Trying yeah. to keep himself from wetting himself. And he's just struggling so badly. And there's just this great, like, the, the this this scene is just so great because it keeps flashing back to him in his room eating ice cream. And just like, he <coughs> down, so he bought two one liter bottles of whatever beverage, like, like, uh, orange juice and it looked like a brown beverage. I want to say, I think one's a tea and the other's like a coffee or something like that. But I the, don't know. But the point is, he's downing both of them yeah. at the same time. Just chug, 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 And like, chug. He, he doesn't have them on his lips. He's got his mouth open as the liquid is just pouring right into his mouth. And you're seeing it from the bird's eye view. Yeah. And he's eating all this stuff. And he's like, why? Why did I go on a post-payday binge and buy all that stuff? <laughs> and eat it right before the fight. The, so- the soiree, I think they call yeah, it. The, the soiree. Yeah. Um, right before the soiree, the sortie, whatever. Um, and he's trying desperately to go to the bathroom and finally he's like, okay, here, I, I can't hold it anymore. Wait, here's this bottle. Is this big enough? No, wait, this bag is much better. It's dual layered and everything. There's a massive hole in the bag. I can't use this. And finally, like he gets into a clash with the enemy and like he puts some, uh, he paper. puts it all. He puts autopilot. Well, yeah, he jams some paper into the. He jams handle. some paper into the into the controls, so the like so it stays there. And he goes around, and he's like, I can't hold this anymore. He opens up his uh the cockpit to the outside behind the, the yeah, mech. Yeah, the, the rear entrance. And Rise is about to relieve himself. The girl's mech flies by, and he's just like, "That's a comrade. I can't let them see me see me doing this." And so he then gets back into his ship, and then gets back into his seat, can't control himself, and he's finally like, all right, that's it. I'm halfway between here and the uh, and, and yeah. the supply store. And speaking of Tom Hanks, the whole time I'm thinking about, um, you know, spacesuits and Apollo 13 and yeah. how they've already solved this problem. Yeah, they have. Well, and my mind went to, uh, <laughs> do, you, do you remember um, Space Above and Beyond? Yes. That show from the 90s? Do you remember how they're saying that? Well, how do you know if some? How do you know if your urine pouch is, is full? Well, that light right there is going to go ahead and flash. And <laughs> in the that same group of like the these cadets who go yeah, to Mars the, or the wherever, the space marines, yeah, yeah, the space marines. There, I think they're still cadets at that point, but they're sent out on a mission, uh-huh. and they come across an alien ship, and something happens that makes them all jump, and it cuts in one of the guys. Like you just hear this beeping, and they all turn, and one of the guys. Uh, lights is flashing yellow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your pouch is full. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I mean, there's actually a part in um, Brandon Sanderson's books, uh, The Stormlight Archive, okay. where um, Shalon is talking to um, Adolin. Mm. And I don't know if you know the characters. Shalon is kind of this young lady from the country, and she's engaged to... There are ten high princes who run this country underneath okay. the High King. Um, and, uh, she is engaged to the heir of one of the princedoms. Okay. Um, and, uh, there's this amazing armor, uh, called shard plate in this series where it increases your strength and increases your resilience. It's just really, really incredible stuff. Yeah. Extremely expensive. If you can get it, like nobody makes it. They just kind of, you know, 
Uh, it's now an ancient artifact. It's an ancient and artifact. To, and you mm-hmm. have to get your hands on it. Yeah. And she actually asks him during one of their dates, what, like, uh, will they get down the conversation of, of battles? And, he, you know, you're out there for eight, nine, ten hours sometimes. And she's just like, what, ha- when do you have, what happens when you have to go to the bathroom? And he's just like, you just go. <laughs> you, you just go. And she's like, no. And he's like, yes. He's like, wait, have you done it? Yes. He's like, no, yes, I, Renarin, like, what I mean, like, the <laughs> list is titles. His, his, his two lines of titles. Have personally shat myself in the, in the battlefield, <laughs> is what he says. Okay, then. And she just starts laughing, and he's like, well, I don't have, I'm not the one who has to clean it, so. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, like, stuff like, you don't really it, think it, about stuff like that? It, it, it's a known factor, and they've solved the problem in space. Yeah, they've solved the problem already. But it still played up for massive laughs. And I'm just like, what? The entire time I was thinking, why didn't they already... Why, why doesn't he just... Why don't they have something that just lets him pee in his suit? You know? That's the point of that's a spacesuit. That's the point of a... That's one of the things that a spacesuit does. Yeah, it, it, it's a... <laughs> but anyway. Appara- but apparently... And, and the episode... He, it's he a flies, comedy, though. He flies so. away from the combat. He, and he, 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 he puts his mech into emergency mode or whatever as it sheds all of its armor and just it's now just pure movement, like pure pure speed, and yet he just disappears from combat. He disappears from combat. He, he, he sees hope and because he sees the uh, the convenience store. Because he, he doesn't just... want to go back to the ship because he want, doesn't want people to know that he fled combat to go to the bathroom <laughs> on his ship. So he's going to the convenience store as a backup plan. And there's a line out. There's a line, a hundred mech long, of just individual mechs waiting to use the bathroom. Waiting or something. to use the bathroom, and he's just like, no, no, I've my, lost. My last hope is gone. My last hope is gone. And then, like, as he gets to the end of the line, the mech in front of him kind of waves and says hi, and uh, the narrator just says, Subaru ended up buying a clean pair of underwear at the convenience store. <laughs> God. Ah. Ah. anyway anyway um okay now let's talk about how episode six ended okay uh yeah like um well do we want to talk about what's kind of happening up up to then um or do we just want to go ahead and talk about the end of episode six because it's just i guess we just go and talk about the ending i mean it's just kind of been a series of just silly adventures now something you mentioned it's the christmas episode at the beginning of episode six okay but something you uh-huh. mentioned to me was that as you're looking at different actors who are involved in this on my anime list, it recommended other shows that were like this. And we've watched the two shows that uh, it recommended. Two of the three. I don't know. I haven't heard of the third one. But yeah, the other two show, the two shows that we it's recommended are Cromartie High School and uh, Gintama. And I adore both of those shows. And I adore this show. <laughs> it's fantastic. Because it's just so silly and i love unwinding to just silly things mm-hmm. not like just you know just letting me take the weight of the world off my shoulders for a little while uh but anyway so let's just go ahead and go to the end of the episode okay. he is finally fed up with the crew and everything and so he's gonna grab all of his belongings and move everything into his beloved cockpit and he's just gonna live in his cockpit from now on he's done and so he gets up and he's it's like this is my last time coming to the bridge i better not make eye contact with the captain and he walks in, and everybody's been beat up. He notices that the female officer is on the ground, the lieutenant's on the ground, the captain's unconscious on the ground, and he's and then over there he sees Cody 
or he hears the voice of Cody saying, oh, so you finally decided to come out of your cockpit and come to the bridge, huh? He turns and he sees Cody and Cody is stepping on, um, Volger. Volger's head. Yeah. And he's like, Cody, what are you doing? And Volger's like, you know this guy? Yeah, he's my, he's my assistant operator. He's the one who I've been communicating with this entire time. His name is Cody. We don't have anybody named Cody working on this ship. Who have you been talking to? Who you've been talking, who have you been talking to? And uh, Cody then reveals that he... Well, and in a couple of flashbacks, like, there's the bit where he's eating rice in space because... And we're not... Let's not go into that one too much. Right. Uh, because uh, he's out of power, but because he is who he is, he has just a ton of rice, and he has a microwave, obviously, in his cockpit. And so he's eating microwave rice, but he sees a flashback of his mom in that with his little... And he sees his brother. Yeah. And then the beginning of this episode, we also see his brother as well, and apparently mm-hmm. his mom's passed away, and they're on their way back to home mm-hmm. on Christmas... Um, but, uh, Cody takes off his hat and this entire time, like even from the start, I knew something was up with Cody just because you never see his eyes. You never see his eyes. His brim's down low and it Mm -hmm. happens to have the ship name on it. The ship is called, uh, the Tiramisu, the Tiramisu, which we looked this up. It's an Italian layered cake. Yeah. It's a, it's an Italian layered chocolate cake. It's a dessert. Yeah. It's delicious. So the whole so, which made me look up to see whether Yamato was a special type of Japanese food of some kind. But there are there's a Yamato brand of restaurants. But that's yeah, about it. Well, Yamato no Yamato. Well, tiramisu is just just silly. Yeah. Yamato is actually a family name, but also um, I want to say um, oh, he was a famous World War Two general. Mm. Uh, or an admiral. I think he was an admiral I, of, I over think their that, fleet. Yeah, because the Yamato good. cannon in Starcraft uh-huh. uh, for the battle cruisers is named after him. Right. So I, I'm I don't know if Space Battleship Yamato also is named after him, but it's a serious it's a family name as opposed to a dessert. I, I want <laughs> I want to say that that guy was a major character in uh, Tora Tora Tora. Could be, could be, and that's a great movie by the way. If you yeah. guys haven't seen that, that's if you want to see. What actually happened in Pearl Harbor and not um, Michael Bay's awful rendition of it? My, Michael Bay took... Watch Tora Tora Tora. Yeah, Michael Bay took like 30 legitimate stories and then crammed them into two people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Like, did you... So, uh, so if you take snippets from everybody's uh-huh. stories, it happened. Um, yeah, they... Uh, yeah, but... But Tora 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 might be a bit more faithful. It's a lot more faithful. Like I remember, I don't know if you watched it, but I remember us giving me giving a shout out to us to um, to history buffs on mm. YouTube, and one of his videos is comparing Tora 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 to um, to uh, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor, and Tora 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 is far more historically accurate than Pearl Harbor. So, but sure. anyways, I mean it's Michael Bay. What were you expecting, or what was I expecting? Michael Bay was actually in a movie that we both love. What movie is that? Mystery Men. Okay. Do you ever so if you see Miss if you watch Mystery Men and you watch the scene where there's all these different gangs of people coming to dinner, be, hosted by you know Jer- we just started Jeffrey Rush. we we've been leading up to this character reveal the entire okay. time and now we're leaving our audience in even more suspense by not even talking about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, but but no because but, we love like, you guys. That he has, he has one line. He says, "Hey boss, can we bring the brewskis?" That's Michael Bay. Okay. And he, that's the audience he makes movies for. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> is. Is the, is the, can we bring the Brewskis yeah. jocks? Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, um, so he takes off his hat and suddenly he's got very, very long blonde hair and a cyborg eye. Uh-huh. And he's revealed to be Subaru's older brother. Um, and that's where episode two, and he asks, he tells him to, he says, Le- leave this ship and join me. Uh-huh. You hate it here. I know you hate it here. Leave this ship and join me. Yeah. And that's where the episode ends. Yeah. And I started watching the next episode, but then I was just like, nah, I've got a package I've got to pick up because UPS screwed up some stuff. Okay. So I went and I picked up the package and came here. So. Okay. But that's the first six episodes. Um... Oh, that reminded me. There was one little bit that I wanted to talk about. Is um, uh, Subaru? Uh, I think it was in the middle of episode six. It was the Christmas episode that they uh, <clears throat> that they started. Uh, he 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 decides he's fighting a giant spider mech, mm-hmm. and in the middle of fighting the giant spider mech, he says, "Behold!" and he powers something up, and he's decorated his mech in christmas lights it says merry xmas on his shield it says eve across his belly he's got strings of lights everywhere and the narrator says subaru worked so hard to decorate his mech that he wanted to show it off to everyone he could be they friend or foe (laughs) it's like oh is he not gonna fire no he's firing at me (laughs) and so he dodges Mm -hmm. and then destroys the uh Mm -hmm. the mech while decorating here's a christmas present from me or something like that as he kills yeah, it from the from whatever force he's from yeah anyway so that's the first six episodes and the three that you watched yeah a uh, three extra that you watched sorry about that it's all right. um but anyway and by the way it's not a cyborg eye it's a it's an electronic eye patch that uh, okay it's okay. kind of like a scouter but uh, there's a scene where he's walking around in pajamas wearing the scouter and it gets caught by the old lady um Mechanic. Oh really? <laughs> and he, she's like, "What's that you're wearing?" Because it's not it's not standard issue among their own crystals. What's that you're wearing? It's like, oh, this um, I got dust in my eye, so this is an eye patch. Oh, you poor thing. Um, just go to the go to the mess hall. We keep eye drops on the shelf with the eggs. <laughs> and then, <laughs> what? Okay, sorry, that's just so weird to me. Oh, and... This, yeah, that's, this, he, he had the exact same reaction as you did just, just then. Eye like, drops with the eggs? Why? I guess that's a thing they do here. Yeah. <laughs> what? Anyway. But, 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 in his, so, but his pajamas mm-hmm. are like, where's Waldo's striped pajamas? Oh, just head to toe with a cap. Mm-hmm. So, real fast, we should say that... Um, that uh, this show doesn't just have references to Gundam and other things. It also also has references to Alien. Yes. Where, uh, at the, I want to say this is episode... This might be episode... No, I think this might be episode six when this happened. Because uh, he's playing their version of Dragon Quest Two, And he's spent, apparently, the last 74 hours leveling. And, and he's loading he, up a game. And he's about to save. But just as he saves... The power in his mech goes out. And he's like, what What? What just happened? And so he tries to load the game, but there's no data at all. It's been he, corrupted. He just lost the last 74 hours mm-hmm, Because of he was play. too dumb to save. Because the, because the power to his mech had to be... The power to his high-tech, super-duper, state-of-the-art mech had to be diverted to her vacuum cleaner. Because they couldn't power both at the same time. Well, she just unplugged his and then plugged hers in. And he was about to unplug and she starts screaming at him. Like, don't you dare unplug that! I'm not done yet! And then he, uh, and then she is wearing the power suit 
from aliens. Yeah, the the, the power loader. The power loader uh, from a aliens. Pink, a pink power loader. It's pink and green, but it is, or I think it's more red and green, but uh-huh. it's it's the power loader from aliens. Yeah. And, and, he, she, and, he, and he does something to injure his face. In some something, way. but he gets upset at her and he starts calling her a hag and how dare you? Like, cause she then turns on the vacuum and starts vacuuming. He's like, I'm almost done here, and then he gets upset at her and he's about to he's cuss, cursing her out, and then she turns it around on him and says, How dare? Like, who's gonna clean this? You? Do you want to clean this place up? Hmm? No. no. <laughs> so, but but he injures his face in some way somehow, mm-hmm. and she decides. The best healing tincture well, for that. He falls and he catches. She catches him with with the power loader. Yeah. And she decides that the best way to cure his uh, his scratch is to take this smaller grabber tool, uh, lick it a bunch, and then go towards then, the scar. And and so she's got a power loader arm. And then this thing that's extending out of it. And it just looks like the Minnie Mouth coming out it's of the like alien mouth. It's like the mouth coming out of the alien mouth. And it's like covered in slobber and everything. And it's and coming it's like, right for his face. It's like, it's like no, no, And then the next scene we see, he's cleaning his wa- He's washing his face in the bathroom and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you, you, you can imagine why he's fed up with this crew. Yeah. But anyway, so, yeah, that's the first six episodes. Okay. What do you think? Okay. I'm intrigued about the relationship with him and his brother because, on the one hand, the three preview episodes that I saw, the brother seemed reasonable and just kind of fed up with how ridiculous Subaru is. But in the opening credit sequence, which the brother has been featured in every time, he looks like a crazy psycho villain. Yeah. And well, we don't see, and we don't see. And you didn't see that it was him until the end of episode six mm-hmm. of who they didn't I, ass- I assumed he was the brother as soon as they started revealing the brother character. Uh-huh. Um, because again, that's a very, very, um, because even in the flashback, thing, he's wearing family, a hat and you don't family. see his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's wearing a hat. You don't see his face. <laughs> the flashback mm-hmm. child version of the character. But, uh, I, 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 I love I, this show so far. Oh my gosh, it's so and, ridiculous. And he's one of the reasons you wanted to see the show from the first place, because you saw, you t- told me last week that you saw the cover of this, and it's the two of them, it's Subaru and his brother, fighting with these... Uh... Fighting over food inside of Subaru's cockpit. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Maybe we'll, well keep watching this and I, see where I, it goes. I wonder if the bad guys are the ones that are reasonable because everybody on the Earth you on the Earth Force are just ridiculous. And they're all just like awful, awful caricatures and not real people. <laughs> so true. They took the worst aspects of things. Like they made the woman nothing but a, uh, a sex icon. They made um uh, they made the the hardened soldier nothing but a pervert. Subaru's an ace pilot that is an absolute moron in everything else in his life. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, I wonder if we're going to meet more of the bad guys in the bad guy, because they've done season two. You you basically just relisted the Konosuba cast. Yeah. Like, everybody's just awful. In their own special ways. Uh, the main four are, yes, they're all absolutely awful in their own special way. Yes. They're all terrible people. Every single one of them. Oh, how I long for gender equality in our time. <laughs> anyway, I want Konosuba season three. Um, <coughs> so does the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, so that's it for uh, Space Battleship Tiramisu. Yes. What are we watching next week? It's your pick. 
All right, so I was browsing through a handful of uh, shows, and uh, a clip came through on my uh, face on my YouTube uh, autoplay, and I wanted to want see more about this. Um, apparently, it's uh, exclusive to uh, Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime Video, mm-hmm. uh, and it's called Karakuri Circus. After inheriting the family fortune, 11-year-old Masaru Saiga is targeted by kidnappers armed with bizarre and deadly puppets. He escapes once, aided by circus employee Narumi Kato, but the kidnappers soon catch up with him. Just when all seems lost, the two are saved by the mysterious Shiragane, who wields her own marionette. From then on, the trio fates, the trio's fates become inexorably intertwined cool now i i don't know don't remember those brothers basement or gigic but i remember learning a little bit about this show Mm. from from a youtube personality right um okay so that's what we'll watch for next week okay um and now that we're done with three episodes in it's time for recommendation of the week and it's my turn this week it is and i'm gonna recommend spider-man into the spider-verse what a fantastic movie uh, that's what I was picking up today from uh, from FedEx. I got the Blu-ray for it. Oh, nice. Such a good movie. Oh, it, my gosh. It really is. The music, the animation, the characters, the acting. You know what's sad is that they were actually trying to figure out a way to... The, originally, they wanted both Tobey Maguire's and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man to be in it as well. Oh, that'd be so cool. They maybe saved... They, they had to cut a bunch for this movie, uh-huh. but that still shows... Like I really hope that they would be in Into the Spider-Verse 2 because they've already greenlit it. They've also greenlit Spider-Gwen. Uh-huh. So, and do you know who the voice of Spider-Man Noir is? Yes, I do. It's Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Yes. How perfect is that? It is brilliant. It is wonderful. Do you know who the, who the voice of Spider-Ham is? Yes, but the name escapes me right it's a, now. It's a stand-up comedian by the name of John Mulaney. John Mulaney, yeah. And he mm-hmm. has he has my favorite stand-up comedy bit, I think, of all time, mm-hmm. where he talks about how he and his friend in the Salt and Pepper Diner uh, in Chicago took a jukebox and played. Um, oh, Tom, is that him? That's him. Oh! The, the, the Tom Jones <laughs> song, "What's New Pussycat," twenty-one times in a row. <laughs> and, and Could the, you get a man to cry by playing? Uh, uh, by... Uh, and his friend's like, "No, this is what we're gonna do. After seven plays, we're going to pop in one. Uh, one, it's not unusual. Uh huh. And we wa- and we sat and we watched. And after seven <laughs> plays, and people were like, "No, it's not possible. They couldn't. And it was like only a dime per play, which is why they were doing this. Yes. Uh, <laughs> It's like a dime for three songs or something like that. Something, some, like that. something cheap, but it was the best like dollar fifty they ever spent or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's just like, it's is just, it possible to get a man to cry by listening to Tom Jones's "Is Not, not unusual. unusual"? The, the answer, answer to that is yes, if it's preceded by seven performances of "What's New Pussycat." <sighs> and then, when we went back. And then then the soul crutchiness of everybody when it went back to what's new pussycat? What's new pussycat? What's new pussycat? That that guy, that that stand up comedian is the voice of the. That's uh, awesome. That is awesome. Like, so that's all, folks. Can he say that? Can can he like legally say that? Can he legally say that? Is that can he do that? But Into the Spider-Verse is incredible. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? I mean, it's already out on Blu-ray, which means it's already out elsewhere for streaming and things like that. Um, it is absolutely... Go see that movie it, if you haven't done it yet. It is breathtaking. It 
the 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 things they had to invent to make this movie look the way it did mm-hmm. it's just yeah. mind blowing it's staggering yeah. i want to see i want to borrow your blu-ray just to watch the behind the scenes special features another thing about this movie is that this movie impressed warner brothers so much that they have now greenlit a batman beyond movie oh that's fantastic <laughs> mm-hmm Oh, I mean, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker is still a phenomenal movie, but I'm very much no, looking the, forward to Warner, seeing... Warner Brothers has an incredibly successful run of animated features. Their animated features are incredible. The Warner Brothers yeah. DC movies are phenomenal. <clears throat> Their live-action ones I, leave I, something to be I, desired. I was, showing but... a, I was showing a clip to my okay. son, which was uh, mm-hmm. from uh, Justice League Dark, mm-hmm. where John Constantine and some others are coming up to a guy's apartment and Batman is with them. And there's these invisible specters that only people who are attuned to the dark can see and batman can't see them so he's like asking what's going on but he's but these dark specters start surrounding batman and says this one has robbed us of many souls he vexes us and they're coming in close to him and batman who can't see them is standing completely stoically and then goes boo and they back up (laughs) can he see us no he no he's just guessing (laughs) boo it also has one of the greatest lines I've ever heard. It's like the, the the consciousness of a of a building forms the, the specter of a black and purple shaped human humanoid, mm-hmm. and is you know kind of evaluating everybody, and then turns to um, Batman and says, "Your whole life is a patchwork of darkness with no light whatsoever. How do you cope?" And Batman replies, "I have a butler. I have a butler." <laughs> Who's the coolest guy in the world? Oh, Al- Alfred's so amazing. Anyway, yes, yes. so that's it for recommendation of the week. Spider-Man, shout out. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Go watch it. All right, mm-hmm. creator shout out. I'm giving a shout out to somebody I know personally. Oh. She was in my graduating class at UVU. Mm-hmm. Um, she is an amazing, a cred- incredibly talented um, character designer and figure artist who has a robust um, Instagram account. Her name is Angela Tally Smith. And uh, her Instagram profile is Angela Mermaid Smith Art. Um, a lot of it is um, just doodles and um, brilliant uh, um, stylized versions of Disney characters. They're absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. She's incredibly talented. Um, she helped work on the, uh, the Cyber Dino racing game and the, uh, um, the other, uh, the animated project, the, uh, what was it called? She helped with the animation and character design in, um, what, what was it called? In, uh, Invalid Pin. That was it. Mm-hmm. And so she and I have worked together on those projects and she's a very reliable, wonderful person. Um, so... Reach out to her, go follow her on Instagram, commission her for something. She's great. Okay, awesome. Good deal. Well, uh, thanks so much for listening in this week. If you listen on YouTube, please feel free to like this episode and to subscribe to our channel. If you like what we do and want to support us, please spread the word of our podcast or even support us on Patreon. Uh, where can they find us on social media? Our site, WhitakerWeekly.com, currently has links to our Facebook page, Twitter account, Patreon page, and YouTube channel. We encourage all our listeners to follow us on the social media platform of their preference, and if there's one we're not on yet, please reach out to us on one of the ones we've mentioned, and we'll broaden our scope to include you. 
All right. Well, that's it for another week. Um, I want to go ahead and give a shout out to Ben Coombs for providing the artwork for us. And let's give a shout out to Brasmataz for the music Dreikolk, which is which is what we use for our opening and closing song. Okay. Well, I've been Andrew. I've been Lee. And this has been Whitaker Weekly. You guys have a great week. Thank you.